Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoy it. But first, I want to ask you a question. Are you someone who has high upside potential in your business and yet sometimes that goal is just hard to get to and maybe the only way you've seen to get to it is just to make more calls, you know, work harder? Well, if you're fed up with using old strategies to solve new problems, then I might have a solution. It's my five-day million-dollar seller challenge. We meet one hour a day in a coaching intensive where I will teach you five moves that you can make to scale your results without working harder. To learn more, click the link in the show notes or go to milliondollarsellerchallenge.com. Inc. Magazine says that 70% of people experience burnout on the job. Now, they do not mention salespeople by name, but I'm wondering, it has me wondering, is this something that salespeople experience too? And that's what we're going to talk about along with an Ask Kasky question from the audience on this episode of the Bill Kasky Podcast. Hey, welcome back to the Bill Kasky Podcast. I'm your host. Glad you're with us today couple of things before we get into this very important topic, and that is if you are a sales leader, sales manager, VP of sales, CEO, president, anybody who oversees a sales team or whose income and revenue is reliant upon a sales team to sell, I've got a new freebie for you. It's called What the Hell's Going On With My Sales Team? You can go to billkasky.com slash WTH and you can get that guide. It's free. Just put in your name and email address. It'll be on its way to you. Also, there is a sequence of emails that comes after that, and there are a couple of videos in there that might be helpful for you if you're training your team. So make sure you go to billkasky.com forward slash WTH. In today's episode, I want to talk about this Inc. Magazine article. Also, we have an Ask Kasky from Julie, who's a listener. She talks about uh, one of the episodes that I did recently where apparently I was not very clear about how to do something, and she calls me out on it and asks a question. You know, I do a lot of reading about mental health and the crises that face our people, whether it's suicide, opioid crises, addiction. And I saw an article the other day from Inc. that talked about the idea of burnout. And the statistic that they used, they used a couple of stats, but the the general stat was 70% of people experience burnout at some point. Now, that doesn't mean over a lifetime. I think they said over the course of a year, three and four people experience some form of burnout, which is stress related to job performance or to job conditions. And I thought that was really interesting. And there was no mention made of the sales profession. But I'm thinking that if it's 70% for the general population of business people, employees and workers, it's probably at least that, if not more, for salespeople. So I thought I'd go through that here a couple on a couple points and just kind of bring to your attention some things that I would think about if somebody asked me the question, hey, how do I get out of burnout? Here are a couple of things that I would recommend. And by the way, I have experienced it. I experience it from time to time. Sometimes I find myself working all day Saturday, part of Sunday, you know, Sunday night comes and I think, well, I really haven't had a weekend. I'm back at it again Monday morning. Now, a lot of the work is not tedious. When I say work, I'm not uh, digging ditches or anything. I'm doing writing, I'm shooting video, but it's still, it's still my mind has to be on the business and on the job at hand. And I do think that takes a toll after a while. So this is not me standing up from the mountain in a perfectly chill and calm state telling you that I've never experienced it. I do experience it from time to time, and it doesn't surprise me if the number is 70 75% of people do too. So I think the first question we have to ask is, how do we know when we're in it? 
Because a lot of times I think we just say, well, yeah, it's just, that's just the work world we're in today. You know, I got to have my phone with me all the time. I got to be on call all the time. I've got to be thinking all the time, even when my family's around, even at birthday parties and the kids playing with the kids, I got to be thinking about work. And of course the answer is no, but that is the, that might be a giveaway sign. Another giveaway sign from this article talked about just tired, just exhausted. The end of the day, I either have to medicate, uh, medicate through caffeine or through alcohol. I have to medicate to get myself to bedtime or to make it through the evening because I'm tired and I just need a pick-me-up of some kind in the old 60s term, pick-me-up. So that might be a telltale sign that you are, uh, when you're tired, that you might be burned out. Another telltale sign is you're distressed. You're anxious, anxious about meetings the next day, anxious about a meeting with your manager or with a group of peers, or you're getting ready to go on a trip and you don't feel like you've, you've got everything in order. I know that sometimes happens to me. I'm getting ready to go out up to Chicago and do a gig. And I know that the night before I will start fretting a little bit about, okay, do I have all the connections? Do I have the laptop? What about the video camera? Do I have the audio stuff? And I get a little stressed thinking about it. Now, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm burned out. That's probably more of just stress. But stress can be an indicator that there's a little bit of burnout going on. So here's a couple of things that I would recommend and things that I do when I feel like I'm a little burned out. Number one, I very simply recast my purpose. And by recasting my purpose, I get back to why am I even doing this? Why do I do the podcast? Why do I consult with people and train people and coach salespeople and coach sales leaders? Why do I do that? And for me, I can get, I can move away from that purpose. I can get out of purpose or out of alignment pretty easily. And I can start focusing on the revenue, personal income, how many gigs we got coming up, uh, whether we're doing the right job on social media, social content. But if I get back to the purpose, why am I even in this business? Why do I even do this? And for me, I have some very specific, I'm not going to go into them here, but I have some very specific things that keep me motivated. And sometimes you just have to get back to that. Now, here's a question I sometimes get um, a couple times, maybe a couple times a year I get, well, what should my purpose be? Should my purpose be that I'm doing what I do for my family or I'm doing what I'm doing for retirement? And I feel like Yeah, that might be a subtext purpose, but I think a better way to think about it is why do you do what you do in your business? Not what are the results going to do for you, but why do you even do it? If you're in the commercial real estate business, it doesn't matter what business. If you're in a business, what is there about that business that is purposeful for you or purpose-related? Is it that you love getting people into larger space and you want to be a part of their growth and you know that that, you know, when they get larger space, I'm back to the commercial realtor here, that that, that means that there's people are being taken care of and you like to have a hand in that. that. That could be a purpose. In fact, that's not a bad one. In fact, I think I might get in the commercial real estate business. But what is the purpose of the work you do, not of the results of the work you do? So I don't think I do this for my family is a good purpose. I think it's noble and virtuous, but I think we've got to find our purpose in the business. Number two, get to know ourselves better. You know, there's all sorts of online assessments and tests from Hogan, which we've used in the past, to uh, Sally, uh, what's her name, Hogshead. Sally Hogshead does a, a program um, 
that, that's online. It's like $30, really good. It talks about your virtues and what your beliefs are and what you're good at. But there's a lot of these, and it's probably not bad to spend 100 bucks or so occasionally when you're in that burnout phase because here's what happens. Sometimes burnout occurs when we're not doing what we're supposed to do, when we're out of alignment, when we're doing things that we're not good at most of the time and not doing things that we're really good at some of the time. And so we end up doing a lot of things that we just shouldn't be doing because it's not, we're not built that way. It's not in our DNA. It's not in our virtues. It's not in our skill set. And what happens, like for me, one example is when I walk into a fluorescent lit cubicle in an office in some remote part of a building, I think, oh my God, I would, I would scratch my eyes out if I had to sit in a room, fluorescent lit room, and look at a computer screen nine hours a day eight hours a day. I, I, would, I wouldn't be long for this world. I would have to figure out a way to off myself and get out of the misery. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. So I know myself better than, than this notion of sitting all day, sitting and staring at a screen. I just, I'm just not built that way. Now, if that is you and you're built that way, all power to you. Some of us are, some of us aren't. You might not be built to go out and give speeches in front of people. I enjoy that. It's weird and sad maybe, but I I get a kick out of that. I get a kick out of working with new teams. So getting to know yourself better is almost like a checkpoint, checkpoint Charlie for you to say, okay, I'm really good at this, this, and this. How much time during the day or week do I spend doing this, this, and this? Another assessment that I think is good is anything about motives and values. So for example, if one of your values is earning a lot of money, and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, it's a, it's a virtuous value. But if you're not in a position where you have control of your own financial destiny, that can be a burnout for you because it's a value you have. It's a, it's a motive that you have. Maybe one of the things that we used to find in the Hogan is people were very affiliation oriented. One of their values was affiliation. They wanted to be around people. Well, if you're out in the car all day in a territory and you're not talking with that many people or you're holed up in a home office and you're not with people, then that's going to weigh on you after a while. So I like these motives, values, and preferences tests. And Hogan has one. It's a few hundred dollars, I think. But that's really good for, again, Checkpoint Charlie. Say, okay, these are the things that I value. Am I getting enough of those? Am I getting my bucket filled with those things? Number three, sometimes I just, I, th- I think we just don't take time for ourselves. And I know you call it self-time or pamper time or whatever, but try this. Next week or, or some week in the future, maybe next week is not good because you've already got appointments booked, but try to work four hours a day. Try to work four hours a day for a week. So what you're doing is cutting your time in half. And tell me if you aren't more productive during the four hours you're working than you are over an eight-hour span. Now, you're going to say, well, I just can't do that. My manager, they'd, they'd catch me, or you know, I can't do that because my people would see that I'm out lounging on drinking. No, I'm not talking about lounging around drinking in front of the office, setting up a chase lounge and having a few cocktails and having, having somebody serve you. I'm not talking about that. Maybe you could go off and do some planning. It's still working, but it's not working in the business. Working on the business, to me, is not working in the business. So decide how you want to do it. And maybe the first week, it's six hours a day. 
that you work. You're taking a couple hours a day off to do something that re reinvents you, re-energizes you, not reinvents, re-energizes you. But try that. Or if you can't even do that, then in the next couple of weeks, take the afternoons Thursday and Friday off and go do something that you really enjoy doing and see what happens. Here's what I think will happen. I think you'll become more productive in the 32 hours you do work than you are in the 40 hours that you work now or 50 or whatever you do. See what happens. Just, just a test. If it doesn't work, if you, if you find yourself uh, thinking about work, sitting around thinking about work for the four hours you're off, then go back to work. <laughs> but try something that gives you some time. Number five, I am not an expert at this, but I, am, uh, I read a lot about this, and that is the value that nutrition and fitness has on our mindset. I'm getting ready to do a program for a company. I can't tell you who it is because it's a, it's a brand name. But we're doing a program on mindset. And one of the things that I believe and I've seen in my own life and seen in, in the lives of others is that your mindset is, your, is this group of attitudes and principles and beliefs that you've accumulated over the years. You've either been taught it by a coach or a trainer. You've learned it in your upbringing with your parents or siblings or coaches and teachers. But it's all these things that we've acquired And if we want to modify those mindsets, we've got to be in the right frame of mind to do that, the right state of mind. And if we're too attached to our current beliefs, somebody like me comes along and says, hey, you need to change your mind about your value in the buyer-seller dance and the relationship or how you run it. You're going to say, well, wait a minute, I've been doing this for 20 years. I make 200 grand a year. I'm not going to give that up. Well, of course not. You're not going to give up the the income, but maybe... If you were better fit and you ate better and you were calmer inside, maybe you, and I know for me it is that way, I am more open to other views, other perspectives, other points of view when I'm fit and when I'm in shape and when I feel good about my body and I feel good about what I'm putting into my body. And so fitness and nutrition, I think, enters into this. And the Wall Street Journal had an article here a couple of weeks ago. And said, I think it was the title of it is, Are You Depressed? Then Check Out What You're Eating. And it was a whole bunch of research that the, the writer had done that linked up our state of mind, our state of being with what we put in our mouth. It was really good. You, you might Google that. Uh, did I say New York Times? Wall Street Journal had that article. So I hope that helps you. Uh, I, I don't. I know this is not an exhaustive list, and if if you're burned out, or if you're mentally depressed, or then and you need some clinical help, then you need to you need to find a coach. You need to find a therapist. I, I got to be careful with that because that's not a recommendation. I think coaches can do as much to help you through that as therapists do. But anyway, I wanted to give you a handful of things there. So let's go to our mailbag. Let's do an ask Caskey. It's time for Ask Caskey. Hi, Bill. I've got a question. Bill, can you help me? A uh, challenge that our sales team is currently facing. Just wondering if you have any thoughts or ideas on the process. Can you give me some advice on some strategies? Now, Bill tackles this week's question. Here's a note from Julie. Bill, thanks for your podcast. I have all my sales team listen each week. Then, gosh, she's smart. We review what you talk about in one of our sales meetings. We're in the software business, and a few episodes ago, you talked about unique value and how we need to incorporate our personal stories into our pitches, because that's what makes us unique. 
but the team and I are confused about how to do that. Can you give us some hints? Well, sorry about the confusion. I'll take, you can lay that right on my shoulders. I think what that was, I went back and checked uh, some of the back episodes. It was uh, three or four months ago I did uh, an episode on that. And here's what I mean by that. Here's the reason, and she went on to talk a little bit more about the situation, but I'm not going to read that because that would give away her company, and that's not, uh, we want to keep people anonymous here. A lot of times when her team goes out to the market to prospect, they end up spending a lot of time talking about the features and functions of the software and of their consulting, and, and a lot of time is spent on product value. And yet there are two other kinds of value too. One is the company value. What value does working with, in this case, Julie's company bring to the customer? Is there anything that the company does uniquely different? So we want to, we want to start a, a page, get a landscape page, put three columns, put uh, unique value, uh, personal value, corporate value, product value. So the product value is all the things that the product is unique. What's, what's unique about it? Does it do something your competition doesn't? Is it, do you take a different approach to it? Company value is how is the company set up to serve the client better? So they could buy the same product from two different companies, but your company is set up in a way that gives it unique value. And included in that is the process that you go through to find out what the problem is. That's a company value. It's something that your company or you has a sales process that takes the customer through it and helps them. So that would be something unique. Maybe other people in your market just just sell and they start to implement, but you have a more thorough understanding and you're more uh, inquisitive and curious about what they're trying to accomplish, business outcomes, things such as that. And the third um, column, and the third column is personal value, and that's you. That's the sales professional. It floors me sometimes when I hear salespeople say, yeah, I've, I've been in this business uh, eight to 10, about 10 years, and uh, I've sold 300 clients, and I've had several territories, and I'm always on quota. And I say, well, why don't you write some articles, write some content? Well, what would I write about? What would I write about after 10 years of being in the business? And the same question is here, is what makes you unique? What makes you and how you act with customers and how you manage things, what makes you unique? Because there are things that make you unique. And yet we're clueless about them. So I suggested to Julie, I'm suggesting to Julie that you start a conversation with your sales team, have those three columns, and everyone is going to be slightly unique on the personal value because we're, we're all very different. It could be that one of her team, or maybe you, if you're listening, maybe you're just really good at writing reports. And you're good at, you're thorough at research and you're thorough at understanding the problem and you're really good at writing up an analysis. Well, say that in your, in your pitch. Say, look, one thing you got to know about me is I love doing the research because I want to make sure that whatever we recommend to you and suggest you buy at some point, we need to make sure it fixes the problem once and for all so that you get the right business outcome. To do that, I find it very important that we do research. I'm inquisitive. I'm curious. I find out. I've got an assessment. And then I write up a recommended solution. It's a two-page document that walks through everything. So if you're good, how to roll for a second, if you're good at that, if you're good at the analysis and the research and the writing, then put that into your process and speak about it. Don't brag saying I'm the best writer on the planet. Just say, look, this is the way I do business. Because I so enjoy research and understanding and 
inquiry and, and analysis, I make this a part of my sales process. And so just you've got to figure out what is it that makes you unique. And whatever it is, make sure you talk about that. So you got your personal uniqueness, company uniqueness, and then product uniqueness. I know we always move to product because it's easy, but I think you personally bring a lot of value. And if you don't talk about it, they'll never know you bring it. You got to talk about it in the right way and you got to characterize it in the proper way, but you'll be able to do that. You can't do it if you don't know it. So Julie, I hope that helps you. All right. Once again, I appreciate you listening. If you like this podcast, by all means, give us a little nod on iTunes. You can do a review and we'd love to hear from you about what you think about the podcast and the content. And I will keep you up to speed on some of the things that we're working on here. And if you have a question for me, you can send it to Bill at BillKasky.com. It'll get to me and we'll put it in the, uh, in the hopper here and I'll address some of these questions in upcoming episodes. Thanks for joining me today. See you next time.